Welcome to On The Spot with Melinda Garvey, the On The Dot interview series where we sit down with some of the most intriguing and interesting women to watch featured in our daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On The Dot. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode of On The Spot, now available every Thursday on your favorite podcast streaming services. Today, I'm sitting down with two amazing women coming to us from Israel, Dr. Yael Schuster and Margot Stern, founders of Stellar Nova, where they are on a mission to inspire children of all ages in STEM. Without further ado, let's start the show. Welcome to On The Spot. I'm your host, Melinda Garvey, the founder of On The Dot, whose mission is to lead women to success through the stories and actionable advice from role models. But the key here is that these role models are relatable. They're women just like you and me who have blazed the trail, and we're bringing them to you so that we can help you walk your own path to success. So today, we're super excited to welcome, all the way from Israel, you know, we are an international organization, and we're so excited to have these incredible women. We are excited to welcome Margot Stern and Dr. Yael Schuster. They are the founders of a super cool company called Stellar Nova, where education and entertainment converge, and they're on a mission to inspire children of all ages in the area of STEM. So thank you all for joining us. We sure appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Yael, why don't you tell us a little bit about Stellar Nova and how you all got started? Yeah, sure. So it started a couple of years ago. I was working as a postdoc in the field of chemistry at the Weizmann Institute of Science. And I just sort of was really um, working on a lot of issues of women in science and the difficulties that women face being a minority in science. And I wanted to think about what I could do to change the way that the next generation was thinking about science and engaging with it and make it maybe a little bit easier for the next generation. Excellent. And Margot, how did you get involved in this with Yael? So Yael and I were actually originally introduced through a mutual friend. And while she was working at Weitzman, like she just said, as a postdoc, she had started a support group or just not necessarily support in the in the terms that sometimes we think about support, but out of box for science thinkers group with the women around her lab and at Weitzman. So these are brilliant, brilliant women. And Yael was bringing in different types of thinkers. So I was one of the lecturers that she she invited to speak to this group of women. And I spoke about from the angle of business and how to think like a businesswoman, which is something that a scientist isn't necessarily trained to do. And from there, we became professionally involved. And at the time I had a consulting firm and then we started working together first as just assisting and then eventually organically, it turned into a full-fledged business partnership. Oh, that's awesome. And Margot, you kind of have an interesting background because you studied music performance in school, right? And had your heart set on pursuing music. So I would love for you to just sort of talk about sort of what you learned from studying music and specifically sort of that perseverance and grit that we know musicians have to have that led you to where you are now. <laughs> That's correct. So my first degree, my bachelor's degree is actually in music performance, clarinet performance from the University of Florida. Wow. And since I'm a little girl, when I was 12 years old, I told my parents that music was going to take me around the world. 
And it did until I was in my early 20s. And those skills and those practice methods and the determination that one has, I think it's, it's really part of you. But the perseverance and grit, like you said, that it really takes to become a professional musician and be so dedicated to hours and hours of practice and perfection. It's truly something that's been a skill that's driven me my entire life. And when I realized that I wasn't going to be a professional musician, my entire life, I um, went back to school and I got my master's in business. Gotcha. And I love stories like this because I think that sometimes, you know, people, especially women, feel stuck. You know, a big pivot comes, right? You sort of realize this isn't your path and then what's next. And I think the beauty of it is that not only can you make that sharp right turn and change, but then you can also use everything that you've learned and all those skills in whatever you do. It doesn't matter that you were in music and now you're in business. There's just so many overlapping skills. And I think that women need to sort of look holistically at their experience because they have so much to offer, even from being mom. And speaking of that, Yell, your nickname is Dr. Mom. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so I'd love for you to talk about, you know, how you got that nickname and, you know, what relevance that has to the science community and also this community of parents that you're obviously bringing together, you know, to help their kiddos. Oh, gosh, yeah. So Dr. Mom is the name that my kids gave me. I have three kids, 11 years old, 8 years old, and 2 years old. Actually, the first two were born while I was doing my PhD. So I really connect to what you're saying about using your skills and, you know, the fact that sometimes your path is not linear and you don't end up doing what you started out thinking you were going to do, but you stay you and use the skills you've collected on the way. And so being Dr. Mom, the name started because I was working as a scientist, as a lab manager at Weizmann, and, you know, people would come in and I look really young. And uh, here I was managing a lab with a PhD in chemistry, and people would come in and think that I was the high school assistant or something. And so I started to really insist, like, no, I'm... Dr. Schuster called me Dr. Schuster. My kids thought it would be funny to make fun of me for this. So they started calling me Dr. Mom. And <laughs> but, it, but it actually sort of, yeah, it sort of stuck because it's who I am. I mean, I have the part of me that's really firmly rooted in science, but the rest of how I use it is all about me being a mom and an educator and wanting to engage with kids and their parents. And I think the name Dr. Mom really brings it together of the parts of my life that intersect that brought us to this company. I love that. So I'd love to kind of go back a little bit and talk about business partnerships because you guys kind of talked about how you sort of, you know, fell into this and, you know, business partnerships can be really tough. So I would love for you just to sort of talk about that collaboration and, you know, and how you use your different skill sets to, to make your company work. Yeah, sure. So I'll start. I'm sure Margot also has her own perspective on it. I think business partnership in a way is a lot like a marriage. There's a lot of technical stuff that's going on and emotional things. It's really great that Margot and I have a very complementary set of skills. The things that she's great at, I'm really glad that she can do because I have no idea how to approach them and vice versa. And we really have the same goals. And I think that's really important. And just like in a marriage, there are times that we fight or we are really not happy with each other. But at the end of the day, we're mature adults and can talk it out. And I think that having a healthy business relationship is so important and probably really unique. No, that's wonderful. And Margo, how about you? Wow. Dr. Mom, I couldn't have said it better myself. And I'm just here smiling to myself. And it's the perfect analogy. 
we call our partners partner-in-laws um, <laughs> the same way you would call a daughter-in-law or a sister-in-law or a brother-in-law. We have partner-in-laws. We really became family. I mean, you make a commitment to someone and in the startup world, as you know, you have a crazy idea and taking it from an ideation to implementation is a very long, tedious testing path. And if you don't have someone that is there in your corner and supporting you all the way, your likelihood for failure is almost uh, impossible to avoid. So thank God we've overcome all of our obstacles to date. And having a co-founder and a partner, I, I could not have done this alone. That's for sure. And sometimes when we're in good moods, we call ourselves the dream team. Um, because really, it's a dream. It's a dream come true. It's like when you find a husband or a wife and, and a partner, and you find someone that can compliment you and, and pick you up and help you make your dreams come true and rise. It, it sounds cliche um, and kitschy. It's really rung true in our story. It is interesting because it certainly is is not cliche. In fact, there's a new scientific study that the University of Notre Dame just came out with that talks about, this kind of goes to not only your partnership, but also back to when y'all was forming this support group, as you said, it sort of with air quotes of these women scientists that actually, that this study now shows that women who have these networks and these tribes actually rise so much higher in business. I mean, they get to higher levels of business faster. It really is critically important. And I know that one of the biggest questions I get whenever I'm speaking anywhere is, how do I find my tribe? I get that all the time because I think that those of us who have that in our lives, we don't really see how scarce it is out there that women often are siloed. And especially in, for example, the science community, you know, you're often an only, right? Or you don't, you look around mm -hmm. and you see a lot of women that look like you. So I, I think it's really, really interesting. And now this scientific study that's come out is proven, you know, what certainly I know, you know, being in the business I'm in, which is all about sort of community of women, but I'm constantly, you know, working on, on coaching women and helping them to really reach out and find those people because it will make a huge difference. Absolutely. And let's kind of go to what y'all are doing with um, Stellar Nova, because you're really now sort of going down to that kid level. I know you don't just focus on girls, but I would imagine being women, you have a real passion for getting these young girls excited about STEM. So I'd love for you just to talk about that and maybe talk about what you're seeing with these young girls. I know there's a statistic that it sort of ends up dropping off when they get into middle school age and you know, there's sort of that peer pressure. What are you seeing and how are you keeping these young girls engaged? As you said, we don't just focus on young girls, but by being women and presenting women role models, we hope to change people's perception of what a scientist looks like or basically the kind of role models that we expect to see. And I think that fundamental to our approach is just, first of all, the idea that science is so exciting and fun, and it should be, and it's exciting to explore things and to learn new things, and there's no reason that it shouldn't be fun, and there's no reason we shouldn't feel confident, and we shouldn't feel like this is accessible to us. And so all we're really doing is giving children this accessibility and helping them find their confidence through a variety of ways that we do that, be it through our products which are stories and books and physical kits. And we're working right now on a TV series that has to do with some great role models in science. But really through some sort of storytelling, which allows us to build emotional connections and hands-on experiences, which allow us to build confidence, we're seeing that you're just able to unlock the natural passions within people. 
I wish I had one of those ding, 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 the bells every time that you talk about the importance of role models, because of course, that's where I live and breathe in my whole mission. And I love you talking about that, just being those role models and having young girls see more of that is so critically important and important to that confidence. Also, it's important for boys, you know, we have to have the other half of the population to buy into the idea that female physicists are just a normal thing or whatever it may be. So we see that as our mission to, to show it to the entire population. Yes, absolutely. And I think that we talk a little bit about this and, and Margaret, you may, you know, have some insight coming from the business world as well. We talk about, you know, women, you know, a big part of the issue and, and women getting ahead is this confidence gap. So do you actually see that in the young girls that you work with versus the young boys? I mean, do you see sort of a, a difference in that confidence gap and how do you address that? You know, we do. We absolutely do see it. And I think a lot of it comes from, I'm also a mother and I have, my eldest is four and she's a girl. And I already see in their kindergartens and preschool classes, the separation between the girls doing one activity and the boys doing another activity. And on holidays, the girls getting the pink bucket and the boys getting the blue bucket. And it's still daunting to me that in 2019, it's happening all around us. So a lot of the Stellar Nova approach and how we're doing things and it goes all the way it's I think it's industry agnostic it doesn't necessarily matter in the sense to be science or business per se it's how our society has crafted gender and division of roles and it's part of Stellar Nova's mission to change that and to show people that there is equality there's equality in families there's equality in education there's equality in business or there should be and we try to really practice what we preach and I think it's so important to not see the world through a gender lens and to be agnostic and to be as non-judgmental as possible in all parts of our lives because it only it seeps into everything and we do it subconsciously we don't sometimes even know we're doing it or intend to do it so we as a company and as uh, professionals are constantly putting that forefront and sights to say we want to change this and it's part of our mission every day that's super interesting and I you know I love what you talked about the, the gender lens and I think that I completely agree with you that we need to stop seeing the world with this gender lens on one hand and that's super important and the way to do that ironically I think is to always sort of put that gender lens on when you're talking, you know, in business, hiring, just accessibility type things always have to be looking at how do we attract more women, really having that lens on saying, are we reaching them? And how are we making sure that we're giving them a seat at the table? I'll just say one thing. We happen to be currently an all-female team, and people ask me, why do I hire women, or do I only hire women? And I say, absolutely not. I hire the best person for the job. I don't know if women feel more comfortable applying because they see that we're a women team when they look us up, but I'm sure that there's something subconscious there going on. And at the end of the day, it's not that I haven't interviewed tons of men as well, but each job that comes along, I'm sure that as things progress and as our team grows, it will become more balanced in that respect. But it's really about just going out and trying. And there are so many times when women in cases in business won't even apply for a position because they don't feel that they're qualified enough. And men are far more likely to go out and apply for something, even if they're not so qualified, they'll still put themselves at the table. And it's something that I'm aware of when we're hiring and that we are looking, but diversity and inclusion is a big part always on our minds. 
That's awesome. And do you have sort of one piece of advice or something that really has stuck with you over the years that you really live by that you'd love to share with our listeners? So either one of you, Margo, if you want to go. Sure. So like we said, I was a musician and there's always the difference about being a musician or being a different type of professional trained something is when you're a musician, you're constantly working to practice what you're not good at. It's that line that you can't play well, that you keep missing that run or you keep missing that melody note or something that you're missing Practice that, do that, get stronger at that. Where as people, we usually go and do what we're comfortable and stay in our comfort zones and do what we're good at. Challenge yourself, push yourself to get better at what you're weaker at. That's great. And Yael, how about you? There's this one event or piece of advice that really has stuck with me the past few years. While I was leading this group of women at Weitzman who had PhDs in science, there was one time we had as a guest speaker, a really amazing, fantastic, strong female professor. And as she was giving us her speech, she mentioned something about how she was going to this conference and she was really nervous. What if nobody talked to her after her speech? What if, you know, nobody wanted to talk with her and she was just alone in a room and was just shocked that this incredibly, amazingly successful woman was afraid that nobody would want to talk with her. And it just made such an impression on me that, you know, I I see these people that look completely untouchable to me and so successful. Like, how could they be afraid of anything? And everybody is afraid of something. And it probably makes a lot of sense to them, even if it seems outrageous to you. And it just sort of humanized these people to me who seemed like incredible superstars, but there's something they're struggling with and they're still approachable. And we all have our fears and that's not what's going to hold us back. That's right. It's not going to define us. No, that's great. Thank you. So what's next for Selenova? (laughs) So we have a number of incredible things in the pipeline. I think you're just going to have to follow us and stay tuned. So I can say that something we've been working on for a long time and going to be presenting actually at a conference here in Jerusalem next week is we're working on a series of edible science and molecular gastronomy for kids. So that's going to be our next focus. And we're going to have products coming out in the next quarter in augmented reality and exciting, exciting stuff. It's just the beginning. That sounds great. And Yael, do you have anything to add? Well, our most recent project is literally on its way to the moon right now. We wrote a book about the Bereshit, the Israeli lunar lander, which was launched from Cape Canaveral. And so mm. our children's book about this spacecraft is on the spacecraft, on its time capsule. So we are currently crossing fingers that everything will go right and it will land as scheduled on April 11th on the moon. That's awesome. Well, I I really appreciate um, you both being here and sharing your story and your path and your journey. It's wonderful. And so tell us, how can we continue to follow you? How can the listeners find you? You can search us at Stellar Nova, one word, stellarnova.co. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And come check us out. Awesome. And of course, if you are parents out there, which I'm sure that there are a lot, got to check out all the really cool stuff. I was kind of poking around your store and you have some really interesting and just super visually appealing. I know the kids love it. So anyway, I appreciate both of you joining us and, you know, taking the time out of your incredibly busy schedules just to share your journey with our listeners. So thank you. And we will continue to watch what you're doing and wish you all the best. Thank you so much. Thanks, Melinda. 
Looking for more inspiration, advice, and direction? Subscribe to our free daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On The Dot, where we provide you with the tools and motivation you need to get out there and be the badass you are meant to be. Tune in to next week's episode when we sit down with Rosalind Wilkinson, financial planner and author of the new book, It's Good to Be Queen, to talk all things women and money. We're focused on your success. So let us know what you think by chatting with us at OnTheDotWoman on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We'd love to hear your voice.